Hey, this is Patty from As It Is, and you're listening to the Rock Sound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rock Sound Podcast. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine. Joining me as always, Tamsin Wills. Hello. You alright? Yeah, I've got my voice back now. You do? <laughs> Listening back last week was so much fun. Uh, it was really cr- I listened back and I was like, I had to stop halfway through and I was just like, <laughs> oh no. Absolute state of it. But yeah, it's fine now. It's back. We're all good. Good, good, good. Uh, Mr. Jack Rogers, hello. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm alright, yeah. Good week? Uh, yeah, it's been steady. Um... Say I was with Tamsin on Tuesday. We went to oh, the yeah. excerpts. We went to the excerpts and had a which, real nice time. Yeah, big which, up. Um, it's becoming that trend that me and Tamsin both have exceptional music tastes. Yeah. And go to <laughs> will never bother. I, I never comes when you the good gigs. Will never comes along. <laughs> I'm no. going to Neck Deep tomorrow. So oh yeah, we got. I'm not. We never go to a gig. To be fair, the only reason I'm going is because I'm going on holiday the next day. Fair. So I've got to like pack and do boring things. Yeah, I I get that. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, we'll do it one time. One time it'll work out. Yeah. But it'll be for like I don't know. Uh, Don Broker and State Champs. Yeah. Oh, surely yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I think yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. the one where yeah. we all have a really giddy time. That's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be yeah. pod su- podcast crowd surf. Yeah. Oh man, I cannot wait for what's surfing whilst on heads. Whilst recording at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Can confirm I am currently running on heads. <laughs> Amazing, cannot wait. So last week we had an absolute blockbuster of an episode. We had Alex Gaskarth of All Time Low. We had Austin Knight of Waterputs. We had Frank Iero. Absolutely amazing. So, so cool. All of those interviews were absolutely insane. Huge shout out to all those guys. All you guys out there absolutely loved it too. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on uh, SoundCloud. Let us know what your faves are. But this week, uh, this is something that's been in the works for a little while now. Um, coming out today is American Satan, uh, the film by Ash Avildsen, who is the founder of Sumerian Records, Ask Alexandria's record label, along with bands like Straight From The Path, starring, of course, Mr. Ben Bruce and Mr. Andy Biersack. So we've only gone and got both of them to come and talk to us all about the film. So uh, everything you need to know, everything you want to know, what it was like for them to uh, put down the instruments and actually act on screen, absolutely insane. They both opened up to us everything, so stay tuned. And we're also going to be bringing back our new band spotlight. We've been uh, mentioned about called Chase Atlantic for the past few weeks so um, we thought we'd properly introduce you to the trio that are completely changing things um, in the musical world so uh, super interesting stuff but first Tamsin we have the news first up neck deep show at Nottingham Rock City was cancelled mid-set this week due to an altercation with security in a statement the band said we are so very sorry to anyone who was in any way hurt upset or inconvenienced last night all scheduled tour dates will go ahead as planned and we will be taking extra measures to ensure that these events are never again repeated. Creeper will support Neck Deep as well on their US tour next year, along with Ryan Scott Graham from State Champs' side project, Speak Low If You Speak Love. Jared Way has spoken about his love for comics and, they've, and how they've helped him through tours over the years. He said, when you're on the road, the downtime is insane. I like touring, but one of the one of the things I didn't like was that it felt there was so much wasted time. So I used that time to write comic books, which is fair enough. Fallout Boy's Andy Hurley has opened a coffee shop in Portland. Big up that. That's really random, but I can feel like it's probably it's, the best coffee to oh, ever exist. Man. It's quintessentially Andy Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, guitarist Andy Westhead has left as it is. You can read a statement from the band on our website, head to rocksound.tv to read that. State champs have been in the studio with Blink-182's Mark Hoppus. I've been seeing videos of this and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Jeremy McKinnon performed Percival classic Caraphernalia with the band during their set at Self Help Fest in Detroit. The band have also dropped a surprise EP for Today I Saw the Whole World, featuring a special acoustic version of the song. And Don Broco have dropped a new track and video for Stay Ignorant, which is a total... Banger. Banger. There we go. I mean, I just want to bring up about Broco that they have basically written my favourite lyric of the year in Sing some beers, watch the match. <laughs> which I just can't get out of my head because... If there it, was a lyric to sum up Jack Rogers' life. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. It's like... You sing some beers and you watch the match and you stay as ignorant as possible. You're going to be but, shouting it, Ali Pali. Right, I'm going to be doing more than shouting He's going to be sinking <laughs> some beers, um, I think. <laughs> cool, so uh, interview one. So uh, we're going to get cracking straight away on the American Satan stuff. So um, part one, we uh, we caught up with Mr. Ben Bruce, course of Ask Alexandria, to talk about his part in the film. Um, played the part of Leo Donovan, who's the guitarist in the band The Relentless, who all of you have been checking out and sending viral on YouTube. I mean, it's crazy that... Uh, fictional band have essentially taken on a life of its own um so he plays the guitarist leo who you'll find out very shortly was basically based exactly on ben bruce so we talked about him getting involved with the project how that came to be um obviously being friends with ash as his label manager and uh, it being his first time acting ever like you know he never he literally never acted before this so huge huge thing and he talks about he opened up on uh, the nerves that that brought and really really interesting side to ben so yeah without further ado ben bruce Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, what we're doing is yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing like an American Satan special. So we're talking to you and Andy uh, all about the film, all about your characters and just kind of getting a feel for what's to come. So we're really excited to see it. Awesome. How are you? Awesome, man. Cool. So uh, I guess to kick off then, um, tell us about how you got involved in the project. Just tell us how it all began. Um, I don't know. I mean, I got obviously um, Ash's father is John G. Avildsen. You know, he, he directed like karate kid and rocky and that so ash has always been a huge movie buff anyway i don't know and he, he kind of just always said i'm gonna make movies one day and i was like awesome you know he's he's driven and but he was always busy with the label and i think once the label got bigger and sort of started taking care of itself he just saw the opportunity um and he ran with it and he hit me up and was like do you want to be in my movie i was like yeah of course i do <laughs> I want to be a movie star. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. You play Leo Donovan. Um, tell us about your character. I mean, his name may as well be Ben Bruce, to be completely honest. <laughs> uh, I think that's why. I think that's why he offered it to me. Basically, he's pretty. He's pretty much me. You know. I mean, uh, Leo is from uh, England. He's just a, a huge rock rock and roll fan from the UK, um, and he he basically moves to LA in search of sort of stardom and making it big in a rock and roll band. And I was like, this sounds familiar, Ash. Was this possibly based on someone? He was like, no, absolutely not. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, because that was going to be my next question, actually. So this was, uh, I was going to ask if, uh, you know, you had to go kind of full method and kind of take on this character, or was this, was there quite a bit of Ben Bruce in the character? So it was it was largely, did you kind of bring your own experiences into the character and the scenes and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, I did. And I, I think the hardest thing um, about about playing Leo was actually going back to my original innocence, you know, before, before asking took off and before I was sort of 
eight to ten years deep in the music industry it was trying to switch off and remember what it was like before all that you know because obviously leo um up until this point has been unsuccessful he's not really in the music industry and this is this is his chance of a lifetime so trying to take myself back to that was actually the thing i found uh most difficult but other than that i just tried to sort of put myself in in his shoes or anyone's shoes really that that's desperate to to sort of accomplish a dream and starting from scratch yeah definitely because um obviously he's a member of the relentless as well the band in the film um did that kind of how was how was being in in this kind of uh, fictional band that's also kind of taken off as well and that there's loads of people out there absolutely loving the songs and you know what they've heard so far and kind of checking out the video that was released and that sort of thing like uh how did it feel to be a part of of that kind of, of that kind of thing like a kind of fictional band that had in a way it's kind of taken on a life of its own yeah i don't really know <laughs> i don't really know how to explain it really because it's like it started off as a fictional band, and now it now it feels real. I'm like, okay, well, my fake music video is getting God knows how many views on YouTube, and the singles climbing the charts, and it's now an active rock radio hit in the US. And it's just like, uh, was this all a ploy to sort of start a new band so that Ash could make more money? But no, obviously it wasn't. It's just, I don't know. I mean, it just it just goes to show that I think. You know, Sumerian, myself, Andy, and everyone involved just really does have a very loyal following, and that this this movie is really speaking to a lot of people and taken on a whole life of its own. I mean, if it can turn a fictitious band into a a real life thing, uh, then God knows what the movie itself is going to do when it comes out. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. Like, why is that? I mean, did you have um, any kind of musical input yourself, or was it all kind of was it pure acting? It was pure acting. I didn't want to sort of... Ash asked me if I wanted to be involved in the in the score and everything, but this was my first sort of that real acting role in anything. So I was just like, I really want to just concentrate on the acting. And I want this to be all about my acting and, and, and trying to enjoy the role Leo rather than switching on and off between Leo and Ben Bruce. I just wanted to live as Leo um, for the duration of, of, of filming. Awesome, yeah, because uh, we spoke to Andy a little bit about the film as well, and he was saying that there's some really heavy themes in it, and there were some quite hard scenes to film. I mean, did, does that kind of extend to your character as well? Were there some things that you were kind of like, oh man, this is this is going to be quite difficult? Um, yeah, I mean, well, to be completely honest, the whole thing was difficult. I mean, like I said, I've never... Andy, when he was younger, he, he dabbled in acting anyway, and he did like uh, like phone adverts and stuff like that when he was a kid anyway. But for me, this was the first time I've ever done anything like this. Even as a kid at school, I was never part of the school plays or anything like that. Um, so just acting in general for me was quite difficult to begin with. I remember the first day filming. Uh, actually, I remember before filming started, maybe a week before filming started, I called Ash and was like, sorry, man, I can't do this. Um, I'm out kind of thing. I got I got too nervous. And he was like, you can't, you can't do this. There's millions of dollars riding on this film. Like, we put in all the time and effort and also you're going to kick yourself if you don't do it so I ended up going and then the first day of, of on set I was like oh man I need water I just need water over and over again water please water please I couldn't talk you know my mouth went dry and so that it was just a huge learning curve for me in general and then um, like Andy said there are some quite dark dark themes and scenes in this film so obviously having lost my best friend a few years ago Chris um some very similar stuff happens to Leo in the movie and that kind of brought back all those memories of when uh, 
when Chris died and uh, that made that seem even more real which again in turn made it quite difficult to film yeah no I can imagine I, I mean um, like you were saying you know as well it was bringing back these um, the kind of the, the life before uh, Ask Alexandria took off and that sort of thing um, was that quite hard to relive as well then in that it was kind of taking like you say you mentioned an, an innocence before uh, before the band took off Is, was that something that was hard to revisit as well um, kind of if anything it was more eye opening because it made me realise what I do have now you know not, I don't want to say that I've taken everything for granted because I really haven't and you know I'm very thankful for what I do have but you do get caught up and these last 10 years have gone by very quickly so you know being where I am today that's what I think about I'm like okay this is where I am where am I going I kind of almost forgot everything I had to go through to get here and refilming this or filming this just reopened my mind and I was like oh man like this that was a difficult part of my time we did work really really hard this is crazy um so it was just it was it was really interesting just to go back into that that headspace that mind space and relive it all over again Wow, yeah, no, I bet. I mean, um, working with Andy as well on screen, obviously you guys, uh, you know, with Asking and with Black Veil Brides, like you guys have done a lot together over the years. I mean, was there a lot of camaraderie kind of on set because of that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was funny because I feel like Andy was one of the reasons why I agreed to do the role in the first place because I remember thinking, all right, well, at least I'll have a friend on set. You know what I mean? At least... I, I don't know why. It was like it was like the first day of school. I was nervous about the whole thing. I was like, what if no one likes me? What if I'm just sat in my trailer all day on my own? But I was like, well, at least Andy will be there. You know, me and Andy have been friends for years. So he was one of the reasons why I actually had the courage to go ahead and take the role um, anyway. Uh, but then it turns out that me, Andy, and, and John Bradley were just like three long-lost brothers. And uh, from day one of filming, John kind of took a liking to me and Andy and, and vice versa and we just sort of became the, the three musketeers of, of American Asylum. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So so working with John Bradley, I mean, like, are you um, are you a fan of his work as well and that sort of thing? And oh yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting Samuel Tarley, you know, I was expecting <laughs> someone I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect. You know, you hear a lot of stories about big actors and big musicians being arseholes and then you hear the opposite as well. So I really had no idea what to expect, but he turned up on set and he was just a sweetheart. He was just like, he was Samuel Tarly in real life. It's like, this guy is the nicest dude in the world. But um, beyond that, working with him was just, it was almost a dream come true. Uh, not, not even from a fan perspective, but just from a professional standpoint, he helped me so much. You know, he taught me how to, how to cry on cue. You know, he taught me tricks of the trade. He taught me tricks on how to memorize lines. Um, he just kind of took me under his wing and helped me out a lot. Um, and beyond that made filming enjoyable. You know, he kind of brought this comedic value to a movie that originally, I don't think there intended to be any sort of comedy strewn in there, but, uh, he brought a whole new element and dynamic to his character. I think it really, uh, turn the movie around for it absolutely incredible i mean um as well working with actors like malcolm mcdowell and denise richards as well like how was it rubbing shoulders with them uh again it was awesome you know you just you kind of just don't know what to expect um there was some there was you know i mean everyone was awesome everyone was super friendly there was one time i think on set where i felt uncomfortable and i won't name the actor who who uh who made me feel uncomfortable but basically he was like so where do you live and I was like, I live in Arizona. And he's like, why? 
was like, uh, weird question. Uh, I guess because it's only an hour flight away from LA, so I can fly back and forth. It's very easy. And to be quite honest, I just don't like LA very much. I don't, I don't know who to trust in LA. You know, I feel like everyone's after something. No one's a genuine friend or person. They only associate with you if they think they can get something from you. And he was like, well, who do you think you are that you can help people's career? And I was like, whoa, Whoa. all right, dude. And uh, I think Ash overheard it and wasn't happy, obviously. This was a much bigger actor than me. Um, Ash just wasn't happy. He was like, well, you can't talk to him like that. It doesn't matter who you think you are or who you think he is. You know, we're all in this together. And Ben is very successful in his own field. So, you know, there shouldn't be anything. And that just made filming so awkward because about 10 minutes after that, after he got told off, we uh, we had to film a scene together. <laughs> and it was... Uh, it was so awkward. I was sat there like, oh, kill me. Kill me now. <laughs> Blimey. So, so it was a, a real uh, eventful experience then on, on set. It was. I think it quite honestly might be the highlight of my career so far, which is crazy to say because I am a musician and I've accomplished some incredible things. And, uh, you know, I've got way more goals ahead of me set um, that are just it's exciting. But this was just so outside of my comfort zone. Um, and it ended up being such a such a pleasure to work on the movie. I, I, I definitely think it's a at least a standout point in my career so far. Amazing. I mean, in terms of the actual film itself as well, like just uh, for people at home listening, like what's what is it that they can expect from it? I don't. I wouldn't necessarily call it horror. I would definitely call it a psychological thriller. But again, like I said, I think I think John Bradley brought some sort of element of dark comedy to it, like which, like I said, I don't think was intended originally, but. You know, I, I think the film will make you laugh. I mean, I know that even just thinking back on certain scenes, I remember how long it took to film. There was one particular scene where we lost the sunlight because me and John were laughing so much filming. Um, so I definitely think it will make people laugh as well as um, hopefully cry. And, you know, just I feel like it's kind of an eye-opener because whilst it's obviously not a factual movie, it's it's fictional and there's the devil and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think a lot of it is quite factual uh, when you look at the music industry because there are people just like that and there are people that will sell, quite literally sell their soul um, in order to get rich and famous or what they, they consider to be rich and famous. And, um, you know, in that aspect, I think it's quite eye-opening because there are some subconscious levels um, of reality strewn throughout this film. So I just think it's, it's a really awesome film. I yesterday for the first time saw the official trailer that's going to be in cinemas and stuff um, before other other similar films and everything. And I was just like, wow, this this is like a real movie. This is insane. Wow. So so it really it, it sheds a lot of light then on, on what the music industry is like these days. I think it really does, yeah. Obviously, you know, to take it with a, with a pinch of salt. I'm not saying that fucking Satan is <laughs> under our feet and coming up and offering bands <laughs> contracts, but... Yeah, there's there's an underlying element of truth there. You know, there are a lot of I feel record executives and people out there that are like, give me everything and I'll give you back very little in return. You know, they offer fame and lights and cameras and stuff, but they literally suck the life out of you. You know, so uh, it's it's definitely a a crazy crazy thing to watch. Amazing. So uh, yeah, really, really fun, interesting chat with Ben. As I say, I mean, he'd never acted before that as he revealed. So it was really interesting to kind of see that side. Because obviously asking a known as such a sort of cocksure band that um, 
it was really interesting to see him opening up about being so nervous and sort of phoning Ash up a week before and not wanting to do it and things like that. Tamsin, what do you take from it? Um, I'm really intrigued to find out who the actor was that he had a bit of a kerfuffle <laughs> oh with. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's some really serious gossip that oh, he dropped yeah. there. And I'm like, you can't not tell us who it was. <laughs> it's, like da- it's like dangling the carrot. And yeah. Then, and then, like, at the last minute, pulling it away and laughing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, like like I said, it's, it was quite nice to kind of see a, a different side to Ben because he's probably got this persona of who he is and asking Alexandria. And, and for him to be like, I got so nervous nervous about doing this that i just called them up and was like i can't do it i'm not doing it i'm pulling out find someone else and they were like absolutely not get here now (laughs) you need to be on set um so yeah i'm really intrigued to see the film actually and kind of see how the band is portrayed um so yeah i thought like i am really intrigued to see it's gonna be I think it, you know, it's the same for whenever you see someone from a band transitioning onto the screen. You kind of have to forget what you know them as. Um, And I'm really intrigued to see how both their characters are kind of like kind of come across and like having to forget that it's Ben Bruce and Masking Alexandria and kind of believe the role. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's really interesting what Ho said. It was literally a very bold thing to say, and it was the proudest moment of his career so far. And you think about, you know, what Askin have achieved to date over the past 10 years. That's a crazy thing. Jack? I mean, it's it's kind of what Tamsin was saying there, that it's like, it's been interesting to see what they're kind of like, you have to separate the band from the character. And it's how he said, when you asked him, well, did you do any of the musical side of things? He was like, no, I just did the acting. Like, I didn't want to include music. I think that's... On one hand, it's um, it's a bold move because like when your bread and butter is like um, smashing riffs, and you're like, well, the part of this film it's a music film. It's not like I'm doing a rom com or something. Like it's a film which is about music. Um, and to go, well, actually, I just want to do the acting and pushing himself that far. Like, it's something really cool too. Like not a lot of people really go into that realm. They'd be like, well. Actually, can I can I just write this one thing for the bank? I do this bit, but he just went. I'm gonna go in and just do this like this new challenge and completely invest himself in it. But the other thing was I said that because the character is character in the film, like even though Andy is like the forefront, he's like the raucous guitarist. It was like him saying it took him back to his like original innocence of asking like from 2008 2009, which was kind of before. Like, it was the transition period between them being, like, you know, um, like, post-hardcore saviours and, like, um, rock and roll, like, um, vagabonds. That it's, like, it's that point before, like, it's when everything's still exciting and everything's still new. I think revisiting that for him, like, it kind of, maybe, like, closed a few doors as well because now he's a family man, he's doing everything else on the side, like, opening this. It's kind of, like, being able to revisit that and kind of, like shut the book on and realize you're like oh i've realized why i'm in the position i am today because of where i am like i think it's like you can tell it's been therapeutic like as you say you don't really say something's the proudest moment of your life unless you mean it yeah that's like a sentence you throw around maybe two or three times in your 90 years on this planet yeah absolutely yeah i mean it shows just how much you put into this project and like you say it's a really good point about how i think maybe it was very therapeutic and it shut some doors for him and I think that that's the really interesting thing is as well that this used to happen a lot more that you used to get a lot of crossover between music and film you used to get famous people in bands acting in films quite a lot whereas now it doesn't really happen so much and the worlds are quite separated so I think this is a really cool kind of bridging and we're going to be talking about a, a bit more later about 
different genres coming together in the music world at the moment. It's interesting that that's actually expanding to across art forms to the point where, you know, we are getting people like Andy Beersack and Ben Bruce literally ended up on the screen and wanting to purely act. Like you say, they don't want to get involved in the musical side of things because they want to give their all to, uh, you know, a real piece of method acting. Um, so, yeah, I just can't wait to see the film. Can't wait to see what Ben's brought to the table. Uh, you guys... In agreement. Oh, I'm well. Oh, yeah, I, I am well excited. Maybe we should do like a rock sound trip to the cinema. I'll be sorry for that. Yeah, I'm properly. Up for yeah, that. Like, we can share some popcorn. Oh, I mean, I'm not yeah. sharing. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <It> looks so <laughs> offended. <laughs> get, get, Jack does not share food. <laughs> get, get your own popcorn. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, yeah. Shout out Joey, Joey Triviani. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> Completely lost my point. Uh, amazing. So, uh, yeah, more on American Satan in a little bit with Mr. Andy Beers. Like, huge shout out to Ben for coming on. Can't wait to chat to him again. So, uh, Jack. It's the listeners' questions. <laughs> Bleh. So, this week we're going to begin. This is uh, Milo and Twitch. Sick name. Um, it's becoming more and more common for artists to blend a number of genres into their music. What are some interesting genre combinations that haven't been utilised yet? I mean... For me, these ones, like, I've got a couple which are, like, the, the best ones for me because I'm a massive advocate of, like, synthcore, which was, like, from 2008, like, the combination of, like, euphoric transcends with, like, guttural, like, breakdowns, you know, Abandon All Ships, the Attack Attack, like, the original Attack Attack album, shout out Stick Stickly. Um, <laughs> but, and, so I'm fully for, like, the weird kind of, like, Dis, like ones which shouldn't suit so like what I put, put it down I'd love to hear like a grindcore and power pop combination where it's kind of like it's it's the intensity of grindcore in like minute bursts but like with the sugary sweetness of <laughs> like um, We The Kings I would really like to see a full brass band taking on like metalcore of like, yes, it, so think yeah. like the Devil Wears Prada, like old school of mice and men, oh, so, under oath, things like <laughs> that, but with like trumpets. Oh, a bit like, you know, like, because a lot of those, like they kind of like do program strings, don't they? Yeah. But like with an actual live band at the back. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like in my head, I'm picturing in my head, it's full like jazz band with like stripy jackets and stuff and like Trad. double bass and like, <laughs> There's a sax, obviously there's a saxophone in there and like a trombone and just like a little percussionist at the back and stuff, but just doing really filthy breakdowns. Yeah, I get that. I think if you agree, tweet us yeah. and we'll see what we can do. If you're a marching band, if you're in a marching band and you think you can make this work, please yeah. let me if, know. If your passions are marching band and suicide silence, like yeah, oh man, get in touch. Do us a video, yeah. I just want pop punk bands to start bringing in pop stars like State Champs yeah. bringing Charlie XCX Stand Atlantic get Halsey on there you know or vice versa I mean State Champs a photo did surface the other day of them hanging yeah. out with Shawn Mendes so if that do- if that doesn't happen <laughs> I'm going to flip some tables yeah. I am spirally nah <laughs> but, right, I, I was having to read that but it's kind of a bit like uh it, it could be one of many things, but I'm going to stick with I am smiley nah, because it's kind of like, I'm smiley nah. Um, <laughs> they asked, uh, if you could make a movie about any band or musician, which artist would it be about and which actor would you choose to play them? Uh, I'd love to see 
the story of the Wundy years. Ooh. Uh, with Chris Pratt playing Soupy. Oh! <laughs> Please make that happen. I reckon that would be sick. That would be sick. Like, because it, I was trying to think, who's a suitable kind of like, who could pull it off? But every single element of Chris Pratt, just bring it in. A bit of sadness, a bit of hilarity. Um, just telling the story of how a band went from playing gyms and easy call to arenas and sad pop punk with a bit of like star lord in there <laughs> that's such a good shot can't follow that um i have so you're gonna one. leave it up to tanzan yeah. yeah. i can't follow it's that so expensive, like. um, uh, uh, my plan in my head is to do a film about panic at the disco but in the kind of style of greece so it's very 50s <laughs> set in las vegas <laughs> Like the the only thing you guys can help me out here is I can't think who to play Brendan Yuri because it's gotta be someone's got that's got bloody good singing voice. Um you and McGregor. No, no, <laughs> he hasn't got the quiff. Um he could. Like it's gonna be gonna have to be a really uh, good wig. Or oh, I'm trying to think who's actually done um Oh, who's done like a a really good performance in a film where he has got a sing and you're like, Oh, he's got a good voice. Yeah, um Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman does not have a good Hugh Jackman does not have a Russell Crowe no. I mean, right. Russell Crowe definitely doesn't have a good yeah. If, if, yeah, if you're listening tweet us with who you think it, could play Brendan Yuri in a film to, about it would them. have to be like um, Tommy Tommy Wissu in the room where it's just like well no one else can play it so I'm going to play the lead I would fully be up for Brendan Yuri just being in it anyway and like playing himself how about you Will um, right, so I want a My Chemical Romance movie, and none of these actors look anything like My Chemical Romance, but I just love the, the chemistry they'd have and the rapport, so um, going Patrick Wilson, Adam Scott, John Hamm, and Seth Rogen, and I want Ellen Page to show up at some point, because I love her. I was going to say, like, in my head, when I thought of that, I was like, yeah, <laughs> who yeah, would you, that who works. Would, who would be the best Gerard about those guys? Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Jer- oh. away with a curly throw. <laughs> oh, if that happened, amazing. I think that might be my favourite question we've been asked. Uh, I mean, that was mad. Well done, everyone. That was brilliant. <laughs> amazing. So, we have launched a brand new issue. Shop.rocksound.tv is the place to be. Fall in reverse. Absolutely amazing. Their only UK magazine cover this year. Ronnie Radke opened up across the board to our editorial director, Ryan Burden. An absolutely amazing feature. Uh, so if you're a Fall in Reverse fan and you're just curious about what's been going on with the band and what's been going on inside the head of one of the most interesting stars in our world and across music in general, get involved. You can get the sticker bundle, which is two limited edition Fall in Reverse covers. Absolutely amazing with a very, very cool, huge sticker sheet. Or if you're a super, super fan or you just want to go in and get all this cool stuff, you can get the deluxe bundle, which is the two limited edition covers, but with also an exclusive tote bag, an exclusive pin badge, hand-signed postprint from Mr. Ronnie Radke himself, and of course the sticker sheet. So, so cool. Get involved. Really, really interesting stuff. Also features chats with Against the Current, 
architects, stuff on the secret rock style, which is so, so interesting, and loads more. So get involved, shop.rocksound.tv. Spotify players as well, of course, an updated Rocksound chart this week. Uh, Don Broco Stegner, which we just raved about, is currently number one. Loads and loads of bangers, so many bangers on there. Definitely get involved with it. Follow us on Spotify, updated every week. Get involved. And our Scuzz TV show, of course, is on daily. Also, brand new show this month to coincide with the Fall in Reverse magazine. So get involved with that and watch along read along with that on daily on scuzz tv amazing so interview two right mr andy beersack returning to the podcast uh last time we spoke to him about all things music so black veil brides andy black all that kind of stuff absolutely brilliant so yeah we went completely inside american satan with me playing um the lead johnny faust he really opened up about playing the lead and as you'll find out and as you may know as a fan of andy he did uh he did act originally when he first moved to la when he was much younger before he started black veil brides so I think it was a real way for him to reignite that passion. But again, there was a lot to kind of take on. And I think, as uh, Jack touched on earlier, there was an element of therapy to him playing Johnny as well. So uh, anyway, we'll let him do the talking. Without further ado, Mr. Andy Beersack on American Satan. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. So, so what we're doing is we're, uh, we're running a, an American Satan special. Uh, so we're speaking to you and Ben Bruce. How did you get involved? Well, just for uh, just because I know that you said Ben's going to be on this, and obviously you guys being English, um, I will speak in an English accent for the rest of the podcast <laughs> so that everyone feels comfortable. Um, just you so all the voices line up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't. I won't because I will immediately offend someone with how terrible my English accent will be. So yeah, I've known I've known Ash for uh, probably I don't know about eight or nine years. Um, he was actually the first official kind of representative of Black Hill Brides when it comes to having uh, an agent or anybody that kind of took us on. He was our first booking agent. And in fact, was someone that really believed in, in Black Hill Brides at a time where not a lot of people did. And this was right around the same time that Asking was starting as well. I think both of us put out our first record within a few months of each other um, and kind of came up at the same time. So it's always been something that in my life, um, Ash has been uh, important to me and, and has been a huge supporter. And so it was around the summer of 2015 that he w- came to me on, on uh, Warp Tour and, and kind of said, hey, I wrote this movie and I've got you in mind for the lead character. I kind of wrote it uh, with you in mind. Obviously, the character's name is Johnny, not Andy. He is from uh, middle, middle of Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. I'm from southern Ohio, Cincinnati. So you can see there's big differences there right away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the truth is that the, the character in the movie and me had, took a very different path. You know, the character in the movie moves to L.A. to become a big rock star and uh, things sort of unravel for him and, and his life takes a pretty crazy turn yeah definitely so it's kind of a half and half because um, when, I, when I posed that question to Ben he was saying that, um, that, that Leo Donovan may as well have been called Ben Bruce so like how, 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 um, how much method acting was there for you and how much kind of basing it on your own experiences was there well I have it's interesting because I have some experience with the you know, the craziness of being on tour and, and being on the road and, and all that stuff. Particularly when I was younger, I've talked about a lot that when I was younger, I kind of, you know, I, w- I would try my best to be as crazy and, and whatever is possible. But in many ways, I was more so just a passenger because it was never really, it never really felt like me, um, the the kind of excess and insanity of, of rock and roll. It always kind of felt like something that maybe I was aspiring to be. And so in that way, I kind of was always able to look at it in a more analytical sense. Even if I was involved in being crazy and drunk and insane, um, I still had that part of me that was like, this is kind of crazy and stupid. But the character in the movie really falls through the trapments and the excess pretty quickly and goes to a much darker place than, uh, 
than, you know, fortunately for me, I was ever put into. And obviously there's a supernatural element to this movie, which I've been fortunate to also not have to deal with. Um, <laughs> but as far as, as far as method acting, you know, the truth is that I don't have, I don't think a lot of people know that I, I have some acting experience. I went to an art school. I was a drama major. I first moved to Los Angeles under the guise of, of acting. Um, obviously being in a, in a rock band has always been my dream, but when I was younger, that wasn't really a possibility. And so I paid my bills, so to speak, when I first got out here by doing commercial work and pilot work and stuff like that. Um, some people have seen some rather uh, silly and embarrassing PSA commercials, anti-drug PSAs that I made as a kid. That, uh, you know, it, it was stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, the first person that really believed in me in my life outside of my family and was like a coach to me was my, my acting uh, teacher, David Roth in Cincinnati at the School for Creative and Performing Arts. Um, and he was someone that I didn't have any aspirations of acting. I didn't really think about it. I knew I just wanted to be an entertainer. And so um, maybe about eighth grade or so, he took me under his wing and, and kind of saw stuff in me as a rock guy performing in, you know, garage bands and stuff and thought, oh, well, you know, you can kind of use this uh, as a chance to act in something. And so he started putting me as the lead in various plays at the show or uh, plays at the school. And, um, it kind of went on from there. So it's always been a love that I've had, but, uh, it, it was certainly something that I wasn't able to do, um, on a professional level until now. And so, um, while I don't share the experiences that Johnny has, uh, in his life with all that crazy stuff, um, I certainly, I was able to play upon some things and with the limited acting experience I had I hope I did a good job amazing I, I can't wait to see it I, I mean in terms of taking on the lead role was that was, was it a difficult role to take on especially as the lead role as well you know the thing about any kind of role when you when you don't have a, a tremendous amount of experience is that at least in my viewpoint being prepared and being able to kind of engulf yourself in the, in the mindset and the psyche of, of what you're doing um, is probably the most important thing so I read the script six million times. I, I tried to really understand every element of the character. I tried to put myself in those places that, you know, it was also emotionally for me, you have to understand that we filmed this movie um, maybe four or five months after my kind of complete sobriety, uh, my decision to completely stop drinking and to, to change my, my health and personal health. Um, so a lot of that was still very fresh for me. And so a lot of the elements of this character getting involved in some really dark stuff uh, was emotionally, again, while it wasn't a direct one-to-one -one comparison to my own experiences, there was certainly an emotional element to it that I could tap into um, and, and do my best to kind of uh, convey someone who's kind of going off the rails and losing control. Amazing. So, so were there some really difficult scenes to film then? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one thing that you don't necessarily think about um, when you're someone who doesn't have a tremendous amount of acting experience. Now, fortunately for me, I had been around uh, actors living in L.A., whether it was friends or, or what have you, um, and so I understood to some degree how, how uh, I guess, grinding it can be um, when you're doing a particularly emotional scene and it has to be done at four in the morning and, you know, you have to really work yourself up and you haven't slept and it's hard to eat because you're focusing and, um, you know, all of those things that could be kind of emotionally and physically taxing. There were certainly times where we would finish a scene and, uh, you know, I would drive home for the night and I'd get home and just feel kind of just spent, um, you know, or, or kind of shook a little bit by the whole, uh, emotion of what it was, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you and say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm some brilliant method actor. I, I certainly, uh, did my best, but 
I think that the thing that was probably most, um, I guess, overwhelming when it comes to uh, an emotional response to something that is intense is that, you know, you kind of get, I believe that if you, if you really give a shit, so to speak, um, you can kind of get taken by the emotion of what you're doing. And I know that that was certainly the case for many of the people in the film, because look, the movie is not dreary uh, by any means. It's certainly uh, a thriller and it's certainly something that is a fast paced and there's a lot of rock and roll and there's a great kind of artistic and, and aesthetic vibe to it, but it's certainly dark subject matter. And uh, when you're dealing with that on any level, I think if you're trying to, uh, you know, an actor's job is to pretend, I suppose, that they are the people in that situation. And so for a lot of us who had limited experience, you know, I think that that's something that could certainly get um, taxing emotionally. But, you know, it's it's, it's certainly uh, playing pretend at the end of the day. And, and I had a lot more fun than I did have uh, sadness. Awesome. Yeah, because uh, how was it working with Ben as well in particular? Because obviously you guys are long-time friends. And, like, how was that to kind of put that into it, onto the screen in a, kind of, in a kind of fictitious format? Yeah, well, you know, Ben and I had a, a joke that kind of went through that we will never have a job where the bar is set so low for us ever again. Um, because it being our first movie, any time, like, well, the two of us walked on the set with, I believe, all of the crew and everyone's assumption was that we were going to be, if we were passable, we were going to get applause. So uh, the fact that I believe that both of us did a great job, um, we were basically just treated like, you know, we had done, like, we, we were like a good dog who just did a trick kind of thing, you know, <laughs> every day. So uh, that was certainly enjoyable, being able, because I don't, now that people can see, I believe that both of us have chops. Uh, at least I, I think so. I think moving forward, it would be very difficult to be treated with that level of reverence just for doing your job. Uh, but I think we both enjoyed being able to uh, to be celebrated for, for not sucking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the truth is that I've, I've known Ben for, we came up together and you know, our bands were, uh, as I said earlier, kind of when it came to, um, we would play this venue one night and then they would play the venue the other night or, or vice versa. And we were kind of, in the early days, we've talked about it a lot. We were kind of like two rival uh, groups. You know, we would have a crew that would work for us and work for them, and people would talk shit behind each other's back. You know, this guy said this thing about you. And, very, you know, it's kind of not uncommon when you have two bands full of big personalities that are kind of coming up and struggling to make it at the same time, and you kind of, you're targeting for the same thing. Um, so in that way, we kind of have a funny relationship because Ben had a very different understanding of who I was when we were younger and, and the same goes for me with him. So as we got older and realized that we were very similar, um, it's, it's been a lot of fun to kind of laugh about the past and that kind of thing. Amazing. Yeah. Cause uh, was it a really proud moment as well to kind of share that between the two of you? Cause uh, Ben said it, I mean, making the film was one of the highest points of his career. Is that, is that the same for you? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me again, because of, because of my experience in the past and because really so much of my life and career it's predicated on the confidence that I gained from the, the, someone like David Ross being my acting coach. And that, that spread into my, my musician life as well. Um, I think that it was something where I felt a tremendous amount of, of pride and excitement. And I just can't wait for people to see it, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing is there's a certain element to the movie that uh, it's certainly a, a R-rated movie. Um, and I do a lot of very fucked up things in this movie. And so, you know, some of the time with some of the younger audience, I feel the need to kind of go like, hey, guys, please remember, this is, <laughs> this is a movie. I didn't really do any of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, because I think sometimes with the, with the nature of, of social media and everything, and I've said this before, I think many times we become just characters in people's lives. You know, the reality of us as human beings is sometimes taken away because I'm pixels on a screen 
more often than I'm a person that they've ever actually had a conversation with. And so my importance to someone's life is much like the importance of a, uh, of a, uh, a friend that you maybe don't see a lot or something like that. And so people can kind of dictate how they feel about you based on small context clues. And so, uh, I, I would, I would be very surprised if I don't get some people who suddenly are very angry at me because they believe that Johnny Faust did something that I did <laughs> when in reality, uh, I'm just an actor in a movie and I'm doing what I'm doing what I'm told to do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, speaking of that, I was on that tangent, like, um, do you think Black Veil and, and Andy Black fans are going to be really into the movie? I think so. I think that anybody who's interested in, in kind of, uh, dark, scary stuff, uh, you know, is, is going to be into this. Obviously with someone like Malcolm McDowell in the film playing this kind of supernatural version of himself, um, it's, 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 it's bound to be kind of creepy and scary. And I think that, you know, there's some really standout performances in this movie. Uh, Mark Boone Jr. is fantastic. John Bradley West is fantastic. I think Ben is fantastic. Really the whole band, the whole cast as the band is fantastic. So, I mean, I think that really anybody uh, can enjoy this. And, you know, you sit down to see it for the first time, like we did uh, just a couple months ago for the kind of the soft mirror in LA. And I had John Feldman there and the whole Black Bell Brides band and my, my wife and my sister-in-law, my father-in-law. It was a really emotional experience to get to see it in that setting. And um, just this week, uh, Ben and, and John Bradley West and I will be going to, uh, to a few different film festivals and stuff and get to watch the movie together in theaters. So I think it's all in all, I think anybody that uh, maybe enjoys rock and roll and likes crazy shit will, will like this movie. And if they don't, uh, then I disagree with them heartedly. <laughs> Amazing, man. Yeah, because uh, Ben was saying that you guys formed a real friendship with John Bradley West and that he, uh, he actually said you guys were like the three musketeers of American Satan. Like, is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, we, we, we both, uh, the three of us really had so much fun and, uh, and you know, I've spoken to, to John many times about it since that there's very few experiences that I've had in my professional life um, where I laughed quite as much every day and had so much fun. It was, it was really a joy. Uh, you know, they, they aren't from LA and I, I live not far away from where their hotel was. And I'd pick them up in my car every morning and we drive to set together and, uh, and just, just basically tease and make fun of and laugh. And it was a really good time. And, and if nothing else, you know, you look back at some of those times in your life where things are particularly funny or exciting, or you, you really formed a special bond. And, uh, this is certainly one of those times oh man that's really really cool uh, I, I mean as well like just with the film um, something that Ben said about the film as well that it it, it actually kind of highlights a, re- a lot of truth about places like LA and that sort of thing and that um, it kind of shows that you know sometimes there is a bit of a price you pay for fame and that sort of thing do you think there is kind of a, even though it's a supernatural film do you think there is an element of truth to what Ash has come up with in the, the script and that sort of thing oh without a doubt you know I, I think that the the choice that you make and how you're going to succeed is one that can kind of resonate throughout the decisions that you make for the rest of your career. And as someone who I've now been uh, totally sober for, for well over a year and um, my, the quality of my life and my decision-making and my ability to be a little bit more on the ball with everything and see kind of be a bit more perceptive to how people might be kind of, uh, you know, not having the best interests for me in mind and, and, you know, people that you surround yourself with and that kind of thing. Uh, whether, whether this has the supernatural element or not, that's true of anybody. This young kid in this movie moves to Hollywood, uh, to, to be a big rock star and immediately surrounds himself with the wrong situations and the wrong characters and ultimately puts himself in a position to, to fail despite the success he might have emotionally. He's, uh, he's kind of failing. So 
um, I think that that's absolutely true. Amazing. So yeah, really, really brilliant chat with Andy yet again. Huge shout to him coming on the show. Um, Jack, you lead this one. What do you take from it? My biggest thing that Andy said was how a lot of this filming, it was taken four or five months after he quit drinking, which, and this is coming from someone who he's very honest about the lifestyle he's led up to this point that he was in, like he was in a band who was like, would go out partying all the time and stuff. It's 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 hard on him. I can imagine like when he was saying that he went home and like he was just spent from like taking a shoot, and it's because he's so like you know in his voice how passionate he is about this role and how he's like even if he didn't have to like you you question him on like his method acting and he was like well I didn't really method act but at the same time I didn't really have to because these are feelings which I already had there. Um. And to do it, like he's is quite a discomforting position, but like he's so on on the other side of it when he's like talking about it now, he's so proud that he was able to like you know go through this, like like put himself back into that realm and then come out on this side and still be stronger from it. Like, I think it's it shows like what an amazing person Andy is, and like now he's actually got like this product this like thing which lives forever to show that like well one i'm a bloody good actor and two i don't have to face like those demons that i had again because like i can switch it on and off if i really want to yeah absolutely I, like it really sounds like ash's movie is is really kind of it's been a real like piece of therapy for these guys i mean again it was so cool that andy was so honest about you know saying that he was giving up alcohol and that like you say i mean he was he would go home after shooting scenes and just feel so spent from you know putting in all that emotion and and facing all those very difficult things and like having to dredge up those emotions i thought that was really really cool of him to admit and like some really sweet stuff as well. I mean, Ben brought it up, but then being the kind of three musketeers of American Satan with, uh, of course, John Bradley West, who plays Samuel Tarley in Game of Thrones. I mean, that just, it kind of brought such a kind of fun edge to the interviews as well, because like, it just sounds like a bit like Ben said, he kind of brought an element of comedy that maybe wasn't intended to be there in the first place. And Andy completely backed that up. And that, I thought that was really, really cool as well. I mean, Tamsin? Yeah, I mean, what I've noted down from the interview is pretty much everything Jack said about it, how it was quite tough for Andy in that you know he'd, he'd only not long been sober and kind of had to and was dealing with that personally himself but then kind of having to go back through all those emotions and like bring back up things he probably kind of was trying to bury himself in order to play this character it, it must have been really quite tough like mentally and physically on him so like Fair play for him to kind of powering through and continuing to play the character so well. Um, and I think uh, for, bo for both of them as well, like, you know, they they've grown up together and... I did find it funny how he was like, we actually had quite a bit of rivalry when yeah, we both started yeah, out. And he was yeah. just like, people were saying things like, oh, Ben said this about you and Andy <laughs> said this about you. So it was quite funny to hear that. Um, but yeah, they, they've they've grown up together. They, you know, they, they've done the party thing, that, but they've, they've matured in themselves and as musicians and stuff. And it must have been really quite weird to kind of go completely back 10 years and just be like, what did we do when we first started these bands? Because this is what we now have to do again. But but it's pretend. Like, it must have been really, really strange for them to kind of revisit things they'd probably forgotten about and been like, 
man like how did we do that like how did we do those things as a band 10 years ago like i loved what he said as well about uh you know the fans that he wanted to say to fans out there that you know this isn't him this is just a character yeah. like not to tell him off or anything <laughs> i love that was such a great touch so yeah i, I just like I, I just cannot wait to see it i mean the two of them have just have just made me want to see it so much how that affects new guys yeah yeah oh yeah sure. big style yeah i think it's what i always said that like when you know this much you just need to see it now and just I'm just hoping that now, like, seeing how much, like, heart and soul these two are put into this, that, like, it gets the reaction it deserves. Like, yeah. that people see it for what it is and understand, like, the power and the message and, like, make it, like, e- even if it's just a cult classic, like, make it a classic, make it a cult classic. Like, just, I hope it's, I hope it works out the way it should. 100% absolutely yeah huge shout out to Andy brilliant absolute legend for coming back on the podcast and yeah just can't wait to see the movie so hopefully we'll have a review for you guys in the next few weeks fingers crossed and you can read about all the American Saints stuff in the brand new issue cool so um, RS Shouts this week uh, we're tying in directly with American Satan a bit of a special so the best music based films Tamsin you go first <laughs> originally um, I wrote down Freaky Friday oh with what a film the one and <laughs> yeah. only Lindsay Lohan yeah the you know the, the, the more modern one if you can call it that um, and I can confirm that I did actually learn the song like the main song from the film <laughs> on guitar when I was about 15 or 16 um, which is hilarious but I also tried to think of ones I'd actually seen more recently. Um, and there is a really good film out. It's also on Netflix, if you want to watch it. It's called Dope. Um, I don't know if either of you yeah, have seen, seen it. it. Yeah, but it's based kind of, Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Pharrell actually wrote most of the soundtrack for it. And the, ma- the main song that's kind of featured throughout that the, the band in the film play, is it's sick. It's so good. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but it's basically about like teenagers grow up in a bit of a rough neighborhood, really want to make it. They're like, they have this punk band together and they really want to make it music, but kind of get tied up in the wrong crowds and doing other stuff, um, but kind of come out of it on top of everything and just kind of go off to do their music thing at the end. And it's it's a really, really cool film, actually. I really enjoyed it. So go and watch it if you haven't. A brilliant shout, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, maybe this is a bit left field, I don't really know, uh, School of Rock. I just, it's one of those films, like the thing is, it's, it's never like including things like, you know, Oscar films that are worthy of like being, you know, the best films of all time or anything like that. But it really I mean, is one of I the- mean- it is one of the best films. Well, that's yeah. what I'm about to say. It, it is, is one of the best films of all yeah. time. I mean, it's just, I've seen it countless times. I still quote it with my friends and family members all the time. Um, it, it's just, it's a revelation of a film. And the songs in it, like, you know, the um, the, the, the actual School of Rock song, the name escapes me at the Maybe moment. Maybe we were making straight <laughs> I, I, Yeah, I thought yeah. it was like, today's oh, assignment, kick for the man! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly point proven like what a song i mean that film is just man and just jack black in that film is just an inspiration to us all big up dewey finn uh and also shout out to almost famous on a bit more of a serious note yeah. um spinal tap forever and always like just one of the funniest like films about a rock band ever uh why did your amp go up to 11 because it does um <laughs> And Anvil, if you've never seen it, like Anvil, like the story of Anvil about one of Canadian's premium heavy metal bands and how they've just never given up on the dream of like metal, um, like playing to 10 people, playing to a thousand people and just being very, like just the honesty and like the heartwarming nature of it is just great. Um, 
But yeah, School of Rock's best film ever made. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Cool. So interview three. So new band spotlight. So we spoke to Stand Atlantic recently. Uh, we're laughing about this before we hit record. Uh, all the best bands at the moment seem to have Atlantic in the name. So um, now we're bringing you Chase Atlantic. They're a trio. They just launched their debut album last Friday. And it's absolutely amazing. Basically... They're this completely unique trio that seems to be blending all kinds of different types of music and they're guitar based, but they also include saxophone and pretty much all songs and a heavy use of beats and electronics as well. It seems to be bridging the worlds between rock music and EDM and hip hop and all kinds of stuff. Really, really groundbreaking stuff. So we thought it'd be perfect opportunity to introduce you to the guys in the band. So Mitchell and Clinton Cave, their brothers, and Christian Anthony as well. Thought perfect opportunity to do that right now. So this is Chase Atlantic. Cool. So what we're uh, what we're doing with this is we're kind of uh, we want to introduce you guys to readers and listeners. Um, and just get a sense about what the band's about and, you know, with the album coming out, time with that. So um, let's start at the beginning then. Like, how did the band come together? So basically, uh, Clinton and I have been making music since we were really little, little ones. Since we were about, like, 12 years old. Always just been doing it as a hobby because we were going to school and we were just making it on weekends and stuff. And then when we got a bit older, towards, like, 15, uh, we met Christian and then we just clicked straight away and then we started taking it a little bit more seriously and we started making making a little bit more music together and we had this collaboration going on between the three of us that we really, really liked. And then after after a few, maybe one or two years of doing that, we made the conscious decision to kind of pursue music as a career and become a band. And so that's that's how it all kind of that's how it all came to life. Awesome, because you focused on, instead of going off on gap years or going to uni or anything like that, you, you stayed and focused on music and you've had that DIY, exactly right. you've had that DIY ethos exactly. from the start. Um, you said that you, yeah. you wanted to kind of make real music. Like, what did you mean by that? And what's the, what's the Australian music scene like with that, that in mind? I feel like um, the Australian music scene is a fantastic music scene. Uh, I feel like all the best music comes from... The, the the underground or like the, the the kind of not so popular music is the best music in Australia. I feel like the the kind of commercial music in Australia is very is very very Australian pop seems like garbage. Very trash. <laughs> yes. So um, not no disrespect to them, but uh, we kind of wanted to no disrespect to them. <laughs> no disrespect for the trash, <laughs> but um, we we kind of wanted to change that. We wanted to change all of that and try and make cool commercial music that was that was considered actually respected yeah when we were younger that was always a dream too but like looking back we weren't really pulling it off that well mm-hmm. and kind of making shit music ourselves <laughs> but um but now we're finally at the stage where hopefully the music's not a shit <laughs> um, i guess it's going well <laughs> Awesome, yeah, because you guys are very musically unique. Um, I mean, it, you know, it sounds like you've been influenced by so many different things. You know, like I can hear the weekend, I can hear the 1975, I can hear Sleeping with Sirens in there. You know, yeah. people from artists from so many different worlds. Um, is that a result of growing up loving all kinds of music? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a result of growing up listening to different people from Skrillex to uh, the Beatles and stuff. I think it's just when we come when we go to create music, we're not thinking like, oh, we want to grab a little bit of this, we want to grab a little bit of this, but it's just, you know, just subconsciously, it's just the, just the vibe we're going for is just something completely different that's like, it's not generic and it's, it's just completely natural to us to just 
create something that's kind of more of a fusion than um, relying on a specific or singular genre. And we, we kind of came to realization that in order for us to be successful or, or, or do, do bigger things in life, we had to kind of break away from, from being a specific sound genre. We had to make our own style of music. Do you think it's crucial that bands find a kind of unique sound in this in this day and age? Because obviously, so many bands are so instantly available, and do you think you really need that to stand out? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like that's the only that's in this day and age that's the only key factor yeah. because and it's so it's so it's so flooded the music industry with, with just music. It's very um. What's the word you would use? Saturated. Saturated. You yeah, have saturated. Lots, you have lots of um. You have lots of bands out there, but right now, obviously, you have cycles and there's like 10, 20 year music cycles. Bands aren't as popular at the moment, like it was 2017. Hip hop is like the rock and roll genre right now. So for us, like having that production element where we produce our own music, we're able to create hybrid genres, which kind of, they're timing and- They become more timeless. Yeah, and they, and they um, yeah, we're not trying to just make a specific genre. We, we, we want to be able to be flexible and, and work to what people want to hear and what we want to hear. In okay. case you want to be full and rapid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because uh, yeah, there's a real inst- multi-instrumentation to your music as well. I mean, like Clinton, you play saxophone, um, you know, heavily throughout the songs. Uh, and then there's a heavy use of beats along with a he- also a heavy use of guitars. There's so much yeah. going on. Um, is that kind of, Did that multi-instrumentation come from kind of being interested in so many different worlds and, and, and not wanting to just kind of put yourself in a pocket? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. Like, we, we figured that... Um, yeah. Yeah, the the more the more the merrier. Like when it comes to terms of, of, of being able to what you can do within the limits of music. If you can do the most, then you should do the most. Mm. Explore what you can and try out. Never be afraid to try out new little ideas. Despite like if you're making a we're making a rock song or something, and Clinton's like, oh, I want to try play saxophone with it. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's switch it up on them. Let's have sax in a rock song or sax in a R&B song or something, you know, just whatever, whatever, whatever we want to try and just see whatever sounds right. And if it sounds stupid, we don't release it. And and when we convert some of these more hip hop R&B songs to a, um, a live setting, we're a bit more of a rock band than a live setting because obviously when you go to see live music, it's a bit more fun to watch a band playing rather than just one artist running around the stage. So we like to like change up the genre a little bit when we perform live and just yeah. So we, 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 could, we could feel like we could do the best of a lot of worlds. That's so, so cool. I mean, you, from that, you found solid success in Australia first. So where, where did the Maddens come in? Because I know you guys are based in America now. Like, where did they come in? Split into our DMs. <laughs> they, um, <laughs> they hit up, I think, originally Clinton, or maybe the band account. But um, they slid into our DMs and just... You know, originally we were just kind of saying nice things, like, we like your music. We kind of... They said that they liked... Um, he said, although we were kind of doing pop because we were a little bit more poppy back then, he said, you got a kind of um, have a fuck you attitude about it, which I thought was kind of cool to hear that from a member of a band that we grew up listening to. And then um, they came down to Australia because they were doing The Voice, and we met. And at the start, it was just, you know, us hanging out. And before we even had any contracts or anything, they flew us all the way to America, put us in a studio, and they just they treated us like artists, like they just treated us how it, it was amazing. It was, you know, they really put us on. So yeah. and they were just they were just developing their company at the time as well. Yeah. So we were both kind of developing everything, and yeah, it's crazy to see how far both Chase Lanik and 
the management company MDDNF.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And, and you've been touring with Sleeping With Sirens, uh, and that's on a build also features yeah. The White Noise and Palais Royale. Um, all four of you guys mm-hmm. sound totally different. Um, do you think diverse yeah. bills are the way forward? I absolutely yeah, think absolutely. so. I feel like when, when talking to fans and, and talking to people who have just come to see the shows afterwards, I say the favorite thing is that it is such a diverse build. They're not, not hearing the same, the same sound over and over again. It's very refreshing, I think, to hear four different sounds at a, at a concert. It becomes, very, um, becomes more interesting and becomes more enjoyable. And, it, it, it keeps you keeps you kind of on your toes as well. Yeah, for sure. Because you worked with I Love McConan and K Camp as well on uh, Into It. And um, do you, would you, in that sense, would you tour with uh, you know bands that are considered rock as much as you would bands that are considered pop or hip hop or yeah. or, EDM or, or that, anything like that's that? That's exactly the case. Like, yeah, we're not. We don't restrict ourselves in any way whatsoever. That's why we're we're kind of able to do this sleeping with science tour because we wouldn't really put ourselves into that kind of. In that kind of genre in the first place, but we've adapted to it very rapidly, and we're able to pull off these rockier shows. But um, like we would be more than happy to tour with, with, with any artist doing any genre, as long as we respect that artist and respect that kind of music. Amazing, yeah. Because um, is there? Do you think there's a kind of there's a bridging happening at the moment between uh, music genres, musical worlds? Because I mean, like with you guys, you yeah. know, bringing so much, so much into your into one sound. Do you think that that's kind of like? Yeah. Do you think that's something that there's going to be more of as time goes on? Uh, yeah, I think it's very it's very rapidly becoming a, a very common theme within music. Um, even rap right now at the moment is taking uh, a lot of rappers are starting to try and play guitars and. I think it's a great thing to see people starting to fuse genres together because it's definitely happened previously in past times, but now more than ever because of how saturated the music industry is, people are trying to come up with new, new like new, new unique genres. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, um, could we see kind of more collaborations from you guys in the future as well? You know, obviously you've got the album coming out next yeah. month, but like as you write more tunes, do you reckon there might be kind of different delvings into different sounds and different artists? Yeah. Um, once we once we gain a little bit more popularity and, and a bit more um, uh, have a bit more positioning in in the music scene, I guess. We'll have more artists that do respect the music and want to collaborate. Um, so, like with our first album, it's actually it's been quite hard to get any sort of cool features that we would desire on the album. But um, at the same time, we also wanted to make an album where we didn't need a bunch of features to to do anything. We just wanted to have them on there for the pure fun of it, you know. But now, after this album, if it does go well, I can see ourselves working with more artists. And yeah, always down for collaboration. Yeah. We're, we're easy. Amazing. And um, in terms of, of going into 2018, uh, what are your plans? Like, can we expect kind of, uh, is it going to be more touring or can we expect maybe a visit to our shores or things like that? What, what's, what's the plan? Yes. We're, we're really hoping to kind of visit other countries and see what other markets we can kind of tap into and, and really just get involved as much as possible with, with, with everything. Amazing stuff. So, uh, yeah, like, honestly, we have not stopped spinning this band in the office. And we know all you guys out there are absolutely loving them as well. They're picking up fans at such a quick rate. Um, Jack, you're a big fan, right? This album's brilliant. Like, it's just... <clears throat> Every song on it, it's, it's, it's basically pop music for the rock fans out there. And this is what it would be like if, like... 
it's the perfect combination of mainstream and underground and done so uniquely and done so perfectly and the guys are just so young as well that's the big thing about it they're like they're like they're doing something which people double their age uh attempting and failing at and it's just amazing um like every song on this album is a hit like it's sexy (laughs) sexy (laughs) like it's sexy it's aggressive it's honest it's dark it's brooding like it's just they're just incredible um and my favorite thing about them as well is just how like in this chat they just talk so much about they want to combine those worlds they want to like break down whatever boundaries there are even if there aren't any there and just let people know that like it's they're quite a good spokes group for like just being yourself and like not pandering to other people's beliefs or like sticking to one sound or sticking to one genre and feel like you have to like when when people like the, when the madden brothers are fans of you like when good charlotte is on your side like you know <laughs> you're doing something right i love the way that they were just like yes the madden brothers just like slid into our dms and were like you're great let's work together yeah like that that just doesn't happen like for most bands like even bands in like pop punk it doesn't happen to so and also just saxophone man just the, it's happening jack just, just it really it's is. happening i know it is like it's just it's it's just the perfect instrument this um, like, <laughs> and, and, and and yeah like it's it's so important this diversity in the music it's like they were recently on tour with sleeping with sirens um along with pally royal and the white noise and that as a lineup like for that's such a spectrum but also the fact that kids who like sleeping sirens are listening to this like there's no there's no lines anymore like people aren't afraid to like stick stick to one lane like it's 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 like a revolution like it's a pure revolution and it's going to happen whether people want it or not. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we said on our launch special that there's a chasm being blown open in music at the moment. And um, this is just the complete representation of that. I mean, you know, we've got bands like Waterparks who are, you know, also being, you know, picked up and given opportunities by the Madden Brothers. And um, it, it's it, it's testament to just what is going on between worlds. And, that, you know, people like us and there people like you guys out there, we all love so many different kinds of music. And these bands are doing that now. Like, there are no borders anymore. Like, you know, like they said in the chat, like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, you can do, you can put saxophone on a rock song. You know, you can put beats on a rock song. It doesn't matter anymore because what matters is how good the song is. And that's making things so exciting, you know. And in the prospect, we've got a new Waterparks album coming, you know, and all these amazing bands. Like, Chase Atlantic are at the absolute top of that. I'm just so excited for more from these guys. Like, I cannot wait for them to come out to the UK. I mean, it's, it's basically, it's the fact that kids who aren't even into rock music are gonna like know about this band and they're gonna go oh you heard of this chase atlantic and like some like some kid with a fringe is gonna go yeah man, i've known about them for like a year and it's just like what the hell like have you known this and it's because like they they're just like in in this realm it's the new age of like how like it's how to cross that board like we we've spoken before about advocates like pete wentz and how he's working with people like he's his mates with Black Bear and they get like 
Big Sean on records, and it's just like it's just not seen as like shocking anymore because it's just normal. It's just like it's the norm now, and the more that that's continuing, like the fact that Chase and Lightning have made an album like they have, which was released last Friday. I do say this honestly: if you haven't listened to it, just listen to it because you'll have it on absolutely every day. It'll just like soundtrack. It'll soundtrack your morning, soundtrack your evening, soundtrack your Uber drives like <laughs> at four in the morning and bus rides at four in the afternoon. Like this, if this is just the start, like God knows what's going to happen in the next year, two years, five years. It's like neat. it's it's very very exciting. It's an amazing prospects. Keep it up is the tune as well. That is the, they've just released the video for that song. So if you want a starting point. Honestly, check out that tune. One of the songs of the year is absolutely amazing. I think my favourite's Cassie. Oh, banger as well. Amazing. So huge shout out to Chase Atlantic. Get involved with them. Really, really exciting band and really, really changing things. A huge shout out. So we're coming to an end. Uh, I say it always comes up too quick, but just quickly as well. Uh, Shop.rustand.tv. We have launched a brand new issue featuring an absolutely fascinating chat. Mr. Ronnie Radke falling in reverse on the cover. Absolutely amazing. Our editorial director, Ryan Bird, really, really delved in. Ronnie talks about the history of the band and what's been going on, what's been going on with the new album this year, the crazy tour surrounding that absolutely amazing read if you're a fallen in reverse fan or not it's an absolutely essential read you can get the sticker bundle which is two limited edition uh, covers featuring a huge very very cool sticker sheet you can get the deluxe bundle if you're a super fan you get two limited edition covers like with that bundle but with an exclusive tote bag an exclusive pin badge hand signed poster print by Ronnie himself and of course the huge sticker sheet as well it's so so great honestly please check it out has, as I say, absolutely essential read for anyone who's interested in music and rock music in general. Amazing stuff. Um, Spotify playlist as well. The Rock Sound chart has been updated. Stay ignorant. Currently number one. Big up the Broco boys. Get involved with that. Follow us on Spotify. All kinds of players on there. If you want to delve back into uh, the history of music, want to find out loads of like old bangers, check out new bangers, all on there. And Scuzz TV show is a completely new show on daily on Scuzz to fit in with the new magazine. Check it all out. Watch along, read along. All the new bangers are on there. So, so, uh, yeah, guys, you had a good time? Always. Oh, uh, yeah, always. Always a good time. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Uh, cool, so we will see you next week. I won't. Oh, but yes, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, guys. I'm going on holiday for a week, so you'll have to just cope without my beautiful, like, smooth and lovely voice. For <laughs> Just cope with our smooth and lovely voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I will be back the week after. I'm not going for too long. So um, I will see you in two weeks' time. All right. Bye, Tamsin. Bye. <laughs> 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 yeah, we were, we'll have someone else. We're not sure who's going to come in yet, but um, maybe Tom Morgan will see. Nobody can replace me. Well, no, of course not. But uh, just for the week, yeah, Tom Morgan, if you're listening, you're in. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, see you guys next week. Bye. I love you. Bye.